So he is right. My heart is very tender tonight. It's uh, really, really fun to hear my dad just talk about me and encourage who I am and speak about who I was as a kid and who I am still today. And it, you know, instantly just tenderizes your heart, makes you want to cry. So if I cry tonight, it's because I feel very blessed by my family and blessed by my wife and especially blessed to be a dad. I'll be a dad in about three months here. Well, I'm a dad now, but the baby will be out in three months and we are awaiting the gender. So we don't know what it is yet. It's going to be fun. I'd like to give thanks to Johanna for being an awesome wife, but also really helping me organize the sermon because I'm the type of person who gets very flustered about these type of speaking engagements. I'm not used to it, and I definitely go overboard. I listen to tons and tons of sermons by all my favorite preachers, and I looked at all the verses in the Bible that speak about courage or discouragement or courage, and I wrote them all out, and I prayed about them all, and I just had way too much content and I wasn't listening to the Holy Spirit on what I needed to share about and Johanna really helped me look at my notes pray about what God wanted me to share tonight and we put together an outline that is really helpful and I hope it's gonna convey what I need to convey tonight but I also want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so I just want to pray really quickly right now that I would share not just my message but God's message and what he wants to say to you guys so Dear Father, thank you for everything I've learned in the last month. Thank you for everything you've taught me. And I pray that I would be sensitive to the Spirit and what you want me to say to everybody. And I pray that you would soften their hearts to be receiving this. Amen. So I want to give like a kind of a prologue to the message. I'm speaking on encouragement tonight. Three different things. To encourage the body to keep yourself encouraged in the Lord, and to stay from discouragement. And God really wanted me to speak on this. It wasn't just my dad that asked me to. When, when he asked me to speak on it, I knew I was supposed to speak on it, and anxiously I accepted. And over the last month, I've really learned how easily not just I get discouraged, but those around me were prone to it. It, it can come in many different forms, but we accept it, we choose it, and then it just destroys us for a period of time, a period of time until we can get back in the word or get back in praying and build ourselves up again. But while we're discouraged, we often just lay there, unable to pursue godly giftings or relationships or being able to encourage other people. We can't encourage the body while we ourselves are discouraged. So I've learned how vital it is to make sure I say no to discouragement, keep myself built up in the Lord through scriptures, but also be speaking in tongues to edify myself and just be praying for others and praying for myself that I would not lose courage in the Lord. Amen. And I was, I was never much of a, I guess, I, guess I haven't spoken tongues a lot and I had trouble with it. I didn't see the value in it until this last month where I really believe the scriptures and started doing it and it felt awkward but I do feel that it's been building me up and when discouragement knocks on the door I go to speaking in tongues and it really does work so I would encourage you guys to seek the gift of tongues if you don't have it and if you have it use it it's not just something you break out in a prayer meeting it's something you can do every day even when other people are around I do it when I'm driving around in the truck just throughout my day So 
that's that's a synopsis i've been really blessed by this and i want to encourage everybody else that teaching is not something for someone who feels called to it or someone who feels like a leader i feel like god's really moving to give everyone a message for me this was a message on my heart something that god wanted me to learn and so in speaking it i've spent time i've invested in the subject I've really searched my heart for where I've lacked an encouragement for the body and for myself, and I've seen where I've been discouraged. And so I really wanted to give an idea to you guys to be searching your heart and say, if I were to speak, what would God have me speak on? And start working on a message, whether or not you are going to give it or ever preach it, it'll change you and it'll teach you about that subject more than you would normally be able to study that subject. It just gives you inspiration and motivation to really dive deep, dive deep, search your heart, and also search the scriptures. Because throughout this last month, the scriptures have come alive like never before. I pulled out a study Bible, and I just intently searched the word, and it was alive, and it was exciting and invigorating, and I've, I've never loved the scriptures so much. And so preaching has been a very hard thing to think about doing because Public speaking is not the easiest thing, and I know that a lot of you would probably be as anxious as I am up here speaking, but it's really an honor to be up here and share what I've learned over the past month, and I'm still learning. I'm not an expert at this. I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg, but it's a wonderful thing, wonderful thing to be studying because I've seen how important it is to encourage the body. Okay, so I'm going to go right into it now. Can I have four volunteers to read a scripture? Just start raising your hand. All right, Levi, look up 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Adam, Ephesians 4.15. Vana, sorry. <laughs> Ephesians 4.29. All right, Anne, Romans 15.4 through 5. All right, Levi, yell it out loud. First Thessalonians 5:11, Ephesians 4:15, Ephesians 4:29, and Romans 15:4 through5. Five 5:11. All right, Ephesians 4.15. Four through five. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives us endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had, so that with one mind and with one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Awesome. So these were the four verses that were highlighted to me that really showed 
encouragement in the scriptures and the importance of it. And I just wanted to read those before I started to keep you guys thinking about that before I jump into it. The first topic I want to cover is prophecy as a really amazing way to encourage the body. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3-4, it says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Until you experience prophecy, you might not see how vital this is for encouragement because it kind of seems like a very far out, you know, a prophet who speaks a word to the church and says something almost far out there who predicts an event. But in Corinthians, I've, I never saw it as a commandment for everyone. It says that prophecy is better than tongues and that it should be earnestly sought after. And so in this last month, I've been earnestly seeking and praying that I would be given the gift of prophecy because I want to be a blessing to other people because I've seen it in my own life, how it affects me. When I came back to the Lord in 2011, I was at a prayer meeting and this lady came up to me. Adam, I'm glad Adam Goldstein is here because he brought me to this to this prayer meeting, and this lady came up to me and just prophesied to my heart, and as a, as a stranger, it hit me that God was speaking directly to me through the vessel of another believer who willingly stepped over and said, hey, I want to share something to you. I see this about you. And I'd never, I'd know, I'd, I didn't know what prophecy was. I didn't have any weird premonitions about it, and so it just spoke directly to my heart, and it changed me. I just was, it was set on fire to go for it, because I knew that somebody believed in me, and not just a fellow believer, but the Lord God Almighty, the creator of the universe, wanted to tell me that he had a plan for me and to go for it. And, and I had a few other words by other people, and every single time I received a word, I didn't just cry. I wept because for the first time you have the creator of the universe speaking directly to you, and it, it always cuts right to the heart. It, it may be about a wounding that he wants to heal, but it also can be about a reason why you're here, a reason why you're created, and a purpose that can ignite you into walking into that. And so I've earnestly desired to have that ability to hear from the Lord, to be a vessel that can encourage the body by speaking straight to a heart, whether it's about a wounding God wants to heal, or if it's just igniting them to go for it and to say, God believes in you and I believe in you and the church will back you up and we're going to stand beside you. And I've seen it also used with non-believers alike. You don't have to prophesy to a believer. You can prophesy to a non-believer. And it's an incredible witnessing tool. I've seen Adam Goldstein do it where Domino's Pizza Girl will be walking up to deliver pizza. And his agenda isn't just food. It's not like, I want to get this pizza. He'll be listening and get a word from the Lord, say it. And she just, she, I was there, and she just started bawling. This pizza lady com comes up to deliver pizza. He speaks to her heart, and she's immediately crying. When I've tried to witness the people out of a, you need to get saved, you need to get find the truth standpoint, it often puts up a barrier because they think I'm trying to sell something or they think I'm trying to push my beliefs on them without actually ministering to them and telling them that I respect them and I love them and they're a human being not just a convert. And when I've seen prophetic evangelism hit somebody, it can soften them like nothing else. It can just show them, I love you and I'm thinking about you, and the Lord loves you too. And to have that spiritual breakthrough to where they know 
you don't know who they are, and you can't just make something up because when it hits the heart, it really does, and oftentimes it'll bring them to tears. So I challenge you guys to pray earnestly. I'll read the verse here. It's 1 Corinthians 14.1. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. I've never in my life prayed more earnestly. Oh, that was a note. I was saying I've never in my life prayed more earnestly for prophecy because when I experience it, it's just an incredible thing. So I challenge you guys to start praying for that and to really seek that gifting out because it's, it's been a wonderful blessing to me, and I've really wanted to bless other people. I stepped out in faith in the back of the ambulance when I had a patient who tried to kill herself and wasn't successful. And that was in January, and then four months later, she tried to do it again. And I don't think it was a coincidence that she was my patient for the second time after the second suicide attempt when there's hundreds of EMTs and hundreds of patients and it was just a coincidence, I mean it wasn't a coincidence that I got her again. So I started praying for her. I was bold in evangelism. I am not normally that bold with patients because you can cross a confidentiality and I, you know, I'm definitely not afraid to witness the people but you gotta be careful how you do it in that setting when they're your patient. But I felt boldness to speak to her and to pray for her and to command life to her and, you know, tell her that she's important, she has a destiny. And then I sat and I prayed for a couple of minutes, and the Lord told me that she has a sister. And I didn't believe him, and I'm like, okay, I didn't want to mention it or bring it up, but eventually it came up that she did have one sister, a sister that was struggling, and I didn't really go much farther than that, but I know that God was telling me, I hear your prayers, I'm giving you the gift, keep walking in it and keep stepping out in faith and so if you think you've been praying for it it might take stepping out in faith and trying to use it and trying to bless other people so try and go for it if you've been praying for it All right, so prophecy was the first big thing that I saw as a really, really vital way to encourage the body not and, and non-believers alike in an evangelistic tool. But there's many, many different forms that I've seen encouragement used in. And the book of Isaiah so shows that in 58 verse 10, the benefit is not just on the receiver, but also on the doer. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. He was speaking to Isaiah who had a huge heart for the poor and the broken. And you look at a culture today where people are very self-centered, very self-focused, and very depressed. We have a very just sad, depressed culture these days tons of people on antidepressants and I see it a lot more than you might in the job that I'm in but every single day we have someone who tried to kill themselves I would about 25% of our patients are people on transfer holds because they're trying to kill themselves and most of them have been on medications for years and it's it's hard to see that it's really hard to see that and I think if people were to be less focused on themselves 
and less thinking about themselves and what they need. And if they were to focus on other people and to serve other people, it could really draw them out of the depression. And I, I was thinking about this before I even saw this verse. And so when I saw that verse, it just really hit me. The best antidepressant is counterintuitive to what we think. To, en- to be encouraged is to encourage others. When I encourage others, I get really encouraged. Throughout this last month, I've been thinking about, okay, I'm encouraging people. How do I do that? Okay, I'm going to call this person and really say, hey, I saw this in you last week, and I didn't say that. really want to bless you there. And then I hang up the phone, and I'm really blessed, and I'm encouraged. And the rest, like, it makes my day when I make somebody else's day. And it's really, it's really easy to stay happy if you're encouraging other people. It's really easy to stay light if you're looking at other people and seeing the good in everybody. I confess in my marriage, it's, it was very easy to, to think you're sharpening them. You know, point out what they're doing wrong so you can help them get better at it. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't even work. <laughs> Amen to that. The best thing to do is to speak up, speak about the gold in them and speak the good in them and to believe, even in areas where they may be struggling, to see the positive side of that and to really draw that out and speak about that is the best way to help somebody, is the best way to lift somebody up, the best way to sanctify them too. And so it's harder though, like in my marriage, one of the, one of the complaints was, you're not encouraging me enough. And I thought I was. I was constantly saying, you're beautiful, you're great, I love you, your food is amazing, thanks for cooking tonight. And all these really fluffy, superficial things that weren't really saying, I see who you are, I see what you're going through, I see how God is changing you. It's, it's very subtle, though, because people don't change overnight, and especially in a marriage when you're living with someone, you have to pay attention, you have to be earnestly seeking out what is God doing to them? You have to be watching daily things and saying, I see this in you, and that's amazing that God has changed you in that way. A month ago, you were different. God has changed you. I see that, and I love that about you, and I'm going to encourage you in that. And that also applies to the body, to where if you're in community, you're growing with people, you can see them, and you can call things out in them, and you can say, God is doing this in you. I see it, and I want to encourage you there, and you can pray about it. If you're not in community, you can't do that. You can't just call an old friend up and be like, hey, I see this in you. It's not going to work. If you're isolated, you can't encourage the body, and that's why we're not supposed to be isolated. We're supposed to be in community and not just a real once-a-month Bible study where you meet up and you pray for an hour, but a real community where you pick a solid group of people and you invest in them and you grow together and you work through difficulties and hardships so that you can see growth and you can kind of help each other up towards God. And so if you're not in community, get in community. And if you don't know how, ask my dad. He's really good at networking groups and people together. So back to uh, 5810, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. I've talked a lot about just sharing words, but it's also doing acts of service, giving time to people, spending time with people. You don't even have to, you don't, you don't have to be talking and working on things. 
just spending time with somebody can really encourage somebody. If they've been lonely, if they've struggled, if they feel out of community, inviting them into community and spending time with them can be a very encouraging thing. If people are struggling, oftentimes words don't help. If people are going through really hard stuff, they don't want an encouraging word. They don't want someone to get there and try and fix, fix something with a helpful word. They want presence. They want someone else to be there and say, I don't understand, but I'm here to support you. Most of the time, we don't understand when we say we do. It's, it's a detrimental thing to say you understand. A lot of times when we have, I have patients who are going through really terrible things. They just got in a car accident and lost some limbs, and my partner will say, oh, I understand. Most of the time, the patient will yell, no, you don't, and <laughs> it starts a fight, but be careful about saying understand, because most of the times we don't. Um, in Job 2.11 through 13, I'm going to read this verse, because it talks about people who just spent time, and they didn't say anything. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept. They tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven, and they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. The greater the suffering, the fewer the words. They spent seven days and seven nights in silence because they saw how deeply his suffering was. There's many times where we come to someone who has maybe lost someone and we're thinking in our heads, I don't know how to comprehend this. I don't have any words for this. But naturally, as human beings who communicate, we often open our mouths and say something when we don't have to, when you can lend a hug and just spend time. I don't know how how they had the, the stamina to just sit and understand right now the support is just our presence for seven days and seven nights. But I encourage you, if someone is really struggling, silence can be extremely encouraging. It can be a way to step in there and just say, I want to be here for you and I want to pray with you. Okay, so I am going to jump around a little bit. I want to talk about Barnabas. I had no idea who Barnabas was, and it's it's weird because he shows up all over all over the New Testament and especially in Acts, but I hadn't studied it enough to really see that this was a man of encouragement. It was a man who was going around and really believing in people. And so I want to read a couple scriptures that talks about it in It's in Acts 9:26 and 27. So this is speaking of Paul. 
When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the disciple, to the apostles, and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had talked to him, and that how and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And then in Acts eleven twenty two through twenty four he is added again. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And then one more in Acts 15, and then I'll kind of talk about all, all three of them. After some days, Paul, uh, 36 through 40, Acts 15. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord, and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also. But Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along, who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them at, to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, being committed to the brethren, to the grace of the Lord. So especially in that last one where you have Paul and Barnabas traveling together, brothers, going back to all the old churches that they preached at, wanting to check up, and see how they're doing. Sounds like they're going back to encourage them and really just keep them in the keep them in track. And Barnabas wanted to go get Mark and they had a sharp disagreement which seems like w how could two guys ministering together along the road have such a sharp disagreement on two men where Paul said no he might have said that's 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 uh fruit that's no longer worth investing in we tried he deserted us because there's scriptures about that and sometimes you see someone who you invested so many so many times in and after a while you're saying you're just investing in poor fruit you need to move on to someone that's going to take that and sow that seed and Barnabas said no went back and got Mark and really probably had to give him a pep talk and give him a speech and really minister to him and then they went on and then Paul, I mean, Mark went on to write the gospel of Mark. And it's like if he hadn't split ways with Paul and said, I'm sorry, I disagree with you on this. I'm going to go grab this guy. He deserves it. We probably wouldn't have had the gospel of Mark. And so it's really cool to see someone like Barnabas who has showed up multiple times encouraging and believing in the body to grab this guy and just speak into his life. And we don't know the whole story, but it, it seems pretty obvious that that's what happened there. And so I, I just seen the seen him show up over and over again. I've prayed that I would have a Barnabas spirit. And I start I was thinking about my aunt Lois here tonight because she named her dog Barnabas. <laughs> and it's it's a cool thing because dogs are so encouraging. And so for my next dog, I'm like, I might have to borrow that name because I'm thinking about it. I really like 
that encouraging spirit that goes around and believes in people. It's a wonderful thing to have someone in the body that goes around to the people who may have, may have deserted, may have walked away from the faith, and have people that chase after them and say, he's not finished yet. God is not done with him. So in a way, he kind of ignited, he ignited Mark into his destiny there, writing that. In Samuel 16, 7 through 13, I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but it's about Samuel calling David forth to be king of Israel. And he comes in to Jesse's house, and do you want me to read it? Maybe I should. I'll read it. First Samuel sixteen seven through thirteen. So we're halfway through the story where he is having Samuel anoint the king, and he starts out. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, Are these all the children? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and behold, he is tending the sheep. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, Rise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward, and Samuel arose and went to Ramah. So the first part that I noticed what he says, do not look at his appearance. A lot of times we look at people and judge by appearance, and it's not always like the clothes they wear. We look at, you know, popularity and likability, and we kind of try and think of our idea of a leader and someone. We, we, pick, we pick out different characteristics of a leader, and if people don't have that, oftentimes we'll overlook them. And God was saying here specifically not to look at the outward appearance because God, see, God looks inward at the heart. And I think he wants us to do the same. I think we're not to choose, you know, who we think is important or who we want to invest in based off of appearance, which may seem like a very obvious thing. Like, of course we don't. But the broken and people who are wounded don't generally have a lot of friends because people don't generally invest in them. It's kind of a rare breed to seek after lost and wounded people and to say, I want to invest in them because 
a lot of the times you might not get good fruit out of someone who is broken. You might not have the ability to heal them. And so it, it can be a challenge where you, you see it as a challenge and you don't want to invest in them. When you see someone who might have more potential in your eyes and say, I'm going to invest in that person, it's a sad thing because God looks at everyone on the inside. And I think if we were to do that and really not judge them by the outward appearance, but seek to see the inside of their heart and see who they really are, it would also be easier for us to encourage them because you're spending time, you're looking inside, and you're seeing who they really are, and you're able to call them into their destiny. And Samuel didn't have to do this here because God God did it for him, but he highlighted David and said, here's a shepherd boy, the youngest son, who's out there watching sheep all day. He's going to be the next king of Israel. And I think God does that with a lot of people where he takes someone who has been overlooked, who has been out tending the sheep, and highlights them. And I think, I think we can do that as well. I think God can give us that ability to see through people and see to their heart and highlight them and really ignite them into their destiny. So we are called to keep ourselves strengthened in the Lord. We're called to stay, stay afloat spiritually so that we can always be encouraging and always be a light for other people. I can't minister to people if I've been discouraged or if I've been letting spiritual affliction or attacks from the enemy keep me down. I can't witness to people, to unbelievers, and I can't encourage the body. And so like I mentioned earlier, I've been praying in tongues more. I've been trying to edify my spirit, and I've been really trying to say no to discouragement and to not let it come. Because over this last month, I felt a lot of discouragement trying to seep in, and I was many times discouraged by not being able to have this message all typed out and have it all formatted right. And I've also felt a lot more spiritual attack, but I think that comes along with choosing to speak and choosing to really study Whatever you're speaking on, oftentimes the devil tries to attack that very same thing and say, you're not qualified to speak on this. And it, it hurts. But you can say, you know, you can really believe in the word and really believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and stay encouraged. And so I've done that with the word, by standing on scriptures, by praying for myself, by keeping my eyes off myself and encouraging the body, but also speaking in tongues. So I'm trying to summarize before I close. And on that note, I wanted to share one more scripture on the note of staying encouraged and staying strengthened. In 1 Samuel 36, it says, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. That was at an incredibly tough time where they came back from battle and found that their wives and their children had been kidnapped by an army. And they were so distressed that all his men that he'd been fighting with had spoke about stoning him. And he still had the ability to go to the Lord and go before God and strengthen himself. It's not just on things where we have a bad day at work and we're like, oh, I got to strengthen myself in the Lord. 
that applies, but it can apply to the extremes to where you can have devastating things attack you and you still have the ability to strengthen yourself in the Lord. So I'm going to close with Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. It's prayer for spiritual strength. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with God through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's given us the power to stay encouraged, and he's given us the ability to encourage the body. And so my prayer for you guys is that you would seek community and strengthen that community and seek to edify your spirit so that you can be a blessing to those around you and that so you can minister out of a heart of thankfulness and gratitude and just overflowing with love so that it comes naturally to spread that love to other people. Dear Father, thank you so much for giving me the ability to speak this message and teaching me so much through the last few weeks of praying and seeking the gift of prophecy and searching the scriptures and searching my own heart. And I pray that you would continue to teach me more in the subject and that I would live this out and that everyone who heard today would take this word and would apply it to their lives and would walk it out and would seek the gift of tongues and would seek the gift of prophecy and would be blessed by the body and equally go out and bless the church and go out and spread the love of you to those who are not in the body yet. Amen. Amen.